This episode is brought to you by Podmetrics. Podmetrics is a podcast analytics platform that enables podcasters to see all the relevant data they need to know about their podcast's audience. Sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the referral code RESTING2XPOD. Again, the code RESTING2XPOD. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin, who created... I said give me a hell yeah! Hey, this is Zayda Zay. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte. Talent is not sexually transmitted. You need to go back to the drawing board because your game absolutely sucks! Hey, everyone. This is Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Stan C, Romaran, and Chino Liao with another audio-only exclusive. And we got a huge get for this audio-only episode. We got the showrunner of Dark Side of the Ring Confidential and a former WWE writer in Andrew Goldstein. He's joining us on the podcast. And we got to give credit to our boy Chino here for setting this up. Chino, congrats on the huge get. Let's tell the listeners a little bit about how this came together. Okay, so do you remember how I keep promoting random podcasts on, <laughs> on this show? Uh-huh. One such podcast was Lost in America. And two guys by the name of Michael Kaplan and Turner Sparks are great stand-up comedians based out of New York. And I've worked with them a bunch of times. I've been on their show a few times as well, talking about you know the things that I know a lot about, like President Duterte and his war on drugs. You know, just my, my, I'm a subject matter expert. So I'm an expert uh, done. Uh, on these uh, things exactly so so they have me on they do they do uh ask me questions about stand-up and politics and all that and they ask me about what i do they know what other podcasts that i do and i briefly mentioned the wrestling wrestling podcast and they say hey you know we have this friend named goldstein who just so happens to used to write for the wwe and i was like you're talking about the Andrew Goldstein that uh, was on the Masked Man show uh, that, that runs in the same circles as those guys. And they were like, yes, that same exact person. And I asked for a, <laughs> I asked for a hookup. I asked them to connect me and they were more than happy to oblige. So this is how it happened. I exchanged a few emails with him. He was more than willing to be on the podcast. Take time out of his day. Keep that in mind, guys. This, this is a more condensed episode than, than usual, but despite his busy schedule, he still allowed us to talk to him for for the time that we had him. And it was such a great experience. <laughs> because I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, there was an internal panic inside of me wherein <laughs> I was ha- I was thinking that holy shit, dark side of the ring episode where I slept through this whole interview. <laughs> like what if that happens? I know the feel. I know the feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like they, they have a slow they have a, a blacked out reenactment of me still in bed <laughs> while you guys are still talking. It's just, no, oh, it's just the worst feeling ever. So I did not sleep. I prepared. I, I asked all the questions and I'm just so happy this pushed through, man. 
Right. Hey, we gotta say, we gotta tell the listeners now. We're recording this at 9:43 p.m., and uh, that means it's 6:43 a.m. where Chino is at in San Francisco. So I can see the sunlight through the window right oh, behind. First him. time, first time, first time. Oh, so medyo nawa kay Chino, pero congrats pa rin Chino. Great get, and I guess this is the closest the podcast has gotten so far to getting somebody from cheap heat. Into the yeah. podcast because cheap heat for the longest time was kind of like our goal, but it was a fan made podcast that really got on WWE's radar. So this is the closest we've gotten to date. So good job, Chino. Thank you. So uh, we're gonna get to Andrew Goldstein in a bit. Of course, he's the main event. But before we get to that, we've got another special offer for you, just because you're a listener of this podcast. So Ro, let's tell them about Mr. Speedy. Hi uh, guys, if you are like me and San, you're here stuck in Manila, so uh, you might have something important to send to family or friends via career. So baka you might want to use Mr. Speedy because if you are a listener of this podcast, and you probably are because you're here, uh, we have a special code for you to use that will get you 50 pesos off your very first delivery. It is WWP Mr. Speedy. Again, that's WWP M-R-S-P-E-E-D-Y. And again, that takes off 50 pesos off your first delivery. Use it for any important stuff you might need delivered. All right, now let's get to the main event. Here's our conversation with Andrew Goldstein. Our guest for this week's audio-only episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast is the showrunner for Dark Side of the Ring Confidential. He's also a former writer for WWE, and I first heard him on Cheap Heat as a guest of Peter Rosenberg and David Shoemaker. Please welcome Andrew Goldstein to the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Hi, Andrew. Hey guys, great intro. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's really cool to uh, to chat with you guys and and get to know you guys. I'm psyched that our our mutual friend Turner Sparks and Mike Kaplan introduced us. There, he's actually my common friend. I don't think they know him, but yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't I can't believe that you know talking politics out of my ass for like the two times I've been on that <laughs> podcast is actually leading to this. So thank you, Turner and Mike. And Kaplan, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that podcast is just ridiculous and so, so funny and worth your time. Andrew, I'm not sure if you can see us on video, but I might as well shoot my shot and show you my cheap heat t-shirt, which I'm wearing. Um, I got oh. it as a gift from Rafe Bartholomew from a few years ago. So yeah, I, I <laughs> loved your appearances on Cheap Heat uh, back in the good old days when, when Shoemaker was still on the show. And that's how we found out that you used to write for WWE. So I guess the first question from any wrestling fan to somebody who was a writer is... What was that experience like? Because uh, in the piece you wrote in Complex, you said that Patrice O'Neill's widow described it as like being in a cult. So how would you describe that experience? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for reading my piece in Complex. That's a you know, deep cut there. But yes, I describe it as a dream job that is like 70% nightmare. <laughs> but the 30% per- that's a dream kind of makes all of it worth it. Uh, you know, for me, I started watching wrestling in the mid eighties and was really fascinated. I loved, I loved all the WWF stuff, but I was really fascinated with, with guys like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair on the other channels. And so all these years later in 2006 to walk into an office at Titan tower in Connecticut, and Dusty Rhodes is sitting there at the table as like my colleague, like my supervisor. And then across from him is Michael P.S. Hayes from the Freebird. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was surreal. 
it was surreal to, to sort of be on the same team as those guys, not to mention all the other, you know, super talented writers. So, and then on top of that, once the show start, I mean, I got to travel with Dusty Rhodes. I got to like walk through an airport and watch people recognize him. And, you know, you get to TV and there's Ted DiBiase and Sergeant Slaughter and, and Ricky Steamboat and they're putting together the matches and you get to watch all, it's almost like going behind the curtain at Oz. You get to kind of see how all the levers are pulled to put together what WWE does. It was really incredible, but you know, look, there's a downside to everything and it's a really breakneck pace. The schedule is relentless and Vince McMahon is, he's an evil genius, man. He, in, in one meeting, he'll dazzle you with like these brilliant ideas and suggestions. And then in another meeting, he'll just frustrate the hell out of you because he'll take a story that you've been working on for a month and toss it in the trash can and sort of, uh, you know, pivot, you know, out of nowhere. So it, it was very, it, was, it had frustrating moments. It had exciting moments. It had really tiresome moments. But it, it was it was exhilarating. Right. So we've heard all these uh, news bits come out from the Internet that say that everything changes on the fly. And we've heard stories yep. of wrestlers sitting outside Vince's office for hours trying to pitch him ideas. How much of the things that we see online are actually true and how much of it is just Internet make believe? I would love to tell you that it's make-believe, but uh, in my, look, this is 15 years ago at this point for me, which is crazy to say, uh-huh. but most of that is, most of that is true, man. I mean, I personally experienced getting to TV, getting to Raw on a Monday at like 10 a.m. at the arena and walking into a production meeting at noon or one that's supposed to take an hour and the production meeting takes five hours. And you're right up against, you know, you're right up against going live for Raw. And the whole show has been rewritten or SmackDown. And you have to shoot your pre-tapes and you're shooting your pre-tapes while the show is starting. Like these are, these are pieces of content that need to air live to the house in the show. And you're shooting them as the show is going on. Like that's unheard of in television production. You would never do that. On, the end, on, on an award, on any other live television uh, production. So if you think about like an award show or, a, or like a football game, you know, like uh, the Fox NFL guys would never shoot a piece of, a piece of tape that has to air at halftime <laughs> during, kickoff, during kickoff. They would just never do that. Uh-huh. And so that's really what it's like uh, when you're producing Raw and SmackDown. On any given Monday or any given Tuesday during my time, that's when we shot them, you could be producing your halftime during kickoff. Wow, okay. So we've heard stories, or at least from Turner's part, uh, that you, you've told them stories about working in the office and seeing Ted DiBiase do secretarial work and all that crazy stuff. So I wonder if you have any stories you can share with us uh, on this podcast. Yeah, I mean... I'm just trying to think of a specific one, but I, I, it's just like, it's the most, I just like to paint the picture of like, whether you're in the office in Connecticut, putting the shows together and you're, you're like sitting at a table with Bruce Pritchard, Michael Hayes and Dusty Rhodes 
the late great. And then a bunch of like nerdy writers. Here's a story. So another thing about Vince is he's the chairman. Everybody mm-hmm. is on his, t- everybody's on his time. And so if we had a meeting to go over that week's SmackDown, so let's see, that would be on like a Friday. We would all sit around the table right at the, you know, when the meeting was called, let's say it was called for 1 PM. Vince might not walk in until three, three thirty, four o'clock. Wow. So what do you do during that, you know, two plus hours, three plus hours that you're just sitting at the table. And again, you're sitting at the table with Michael Hayes, Dusty Rhodes, Bruce Pritchard, maybe on the phone and a bunch of nerdy writers. Eventually you, you just start, you know, or we did, we'd be like, Hey, uh, we, we, we would call stuff up on YouTube and show it to Dusty. So we would show, we, I, I specifically remember sitting at the table waiting for Vince and one of the other writers pulled up the, the Chamber of Horrors match from WCW because Dusty booked it. And it's, you know, it's, it goes down as one of the like all time biggest wrestling fails of all time. You know, the electric chair and the steel cage with Abdul the Butcher. And it was like, okay, Dust, you know, walk us through, walk us through the vision. What was, what was the vision here? <laughs> and to Dusty's credit, as, you know, the guy who could sell a popsicle to a lady in white gloves in, in a hundred degree weather. He sold the hell out of it and explained to us what it's thinking. I, I mean, he went into promo mode. He went into 1980s <laughs> wow. Dusty Rhodes wow. promo mode sit at the table of like why this was such a compelling story to get Abdullah the butcher in the electric chair. We're going to shock <laughs> him. Blah, blah, and, you know, and then, and then, and then we watched the electric chair apparatus, you know, crumble and, and he's still selling it. And, you know, it was like a masterclass. So on, uh, you know, taking something completely ridiculous, but selling it as completely threatening. So it was just like you, you had to make your own fun. And, and really, it's that writer's room dynamic. You, you had to make your own fun while waiting on the boss's, boss's uh, you know, leisurely schedule. We're taking a quick break from our conversation with Andrew Goldstein so we can get to know more about Dark Side of the Ring Confidential and his experiences in uh, putting that show together. But before we do that, here's another way you can support the podcast, and this is through your online shopping. All right, guys, uh, malapit na mag 5-5 sale if there is going to be a 5-5 sale. We're not too sure about that yet, but everything you want and need is still on Lazada, hashtag Nasa Lazada yan, and you can help support the podcast with your purchases. All you have to do is use our affiliate link. That's podlink.co slash EUL. Again, that's podlink.co slash EUL. Every little bit you buy goes a long, long way to help the podcast do what it does. Now let's take another break to hear from our other podcasts on Podcast Network Asia. Now hold on just a minute, playa. That's a Teddy Long reference for you. If you're probably wondering how a few wrestling fans who put together a podcast for their love of wrestling have been able to collab with brands here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, well, the answer is simple. We use Podmetrics. So if you have a podcast, no matter what the size is, you can sign up now at podmetrics.co. That's P-O-D-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot C-O. And use our referral code, Wrestling2XPod. All caps, one word. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-I-N-G, the number two, the letter X, and the letters P-O-D. Again, Wrestling2XPod, all caps, 
one word. And hey, it's a great way to show support for the show as well. Now, if you're an advertiser and you want to collab with us on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, who are we to say no? You can head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Again, that's Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. So I was reading the press release for Dark Side of the Ring Confidential, and this is something that's debuting this year as part of Season 3 of Dark Side of the Ring. So can you take us through the creative process of these deep dives that accompany the main documentary? Man, first of all, thank you so much for talking about Confidential. I'm super proud of it. Um, yeah, like you said, so in preparation for Season 3, which debuts in the States uh, May 6th on Vice, that's season three. And, you know, season three is loaded. They got Brian Pillman. They're doing uh, Dynamite Kid. They're doing Grizzly Smith, who is Jake Roberts' father. So it's the whole story of Jake and his brothers and their father and, and, and sort of those trials and tribulations and a bunch of other stories. And so, um, so in preparation for season three, which is coming, like I said, May 6th, uh, Vice took eight episodes from the first two seasons of, Confident- of Dark Side of the Ring, and we added... 30 extra minutes to each of those episodes. And those 30 minutes are comprised of roundtable discussions between the two creators, Evan Husney and Jason Eisner, two brilliant filmmakers who make every episode, and Conrad Thompson, who, if you're a wrestling fan, you know who Conrad Thompson is. He's the yes, podfather. Sir. Of course. There you go. So, so it's Conrad at the head of the table and Evan and Jason sitting across from him. You know, as you watch the documentaries, before and after each act of the documentary, basically coming out of commercial and going into commercial um, after you see a a chunk of the documentary, you first go to the table and you see, and and you get about, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes, two and a half minutes of the guys breaking down what you just saw. So basically whenever you watch a documentary, you have to wait till the documentary ends to like go to Wikipedia and search for all of your, you know, answers to all of your questions, right? Right, right. Anytime you watch a documentary, you're like, wait, what happened to that guy? And what about that lady? And, and why'd they do, you know, what about the murder weapon, right? Mm-hmm. So in this case, you watch these documentaries and all those questions as you have them get answered, you know, right as they air. So, so you'll see something like the road words, you'll see something like, you know, You'll see something like in the Bruiser Brody episode, you, you'll watch the act where like he's actually murdered in the locker room and then we'll go right to the table and the guys will expand on what they just talked about in the documentary. And they'll get to do, they'll get to say stuff that like they didn't have room to, to explain in a one hour documentary. Also, we have um, a bunch of deleted scenes and a bunch of like uh, scenes that they couldn't fit in the documentaries and stuff that hit the cutting room floor and just like bonus outtakes and behind the scenes stuff that we also include in the 30 minutes. So it's really an expansion on eight episodes from the first two seasons that we try to answer all the questions that people had about those episodes. From all of the episodes in season two, which episode was the hardest to dig up additional information on? That's a great question. Well, look, man, we, 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 we really like sat down and, and worked really hard on choosing the eight episodes. And, you know, some of them were just really, I would say, Oh, was really hard just because 
it's so tragic. As in Owen Hart. Um, and you know, Owen Hart. Yeah. Owen Hart's coming in two weeks. So, uh, this Thursday night is the road warriors. And then, then, um, the week after that is Owen Hart. And it, it was a really challenging episode because it's such a tragic story, mm-hmm. but we found ways, you know, look, Owen was such a, anybody you talk to, he's so beloved by his peers and every, anyone you talk to is like, man, Owen was the best guy. He was so funny. He pulled the best ribs. And so we have all those stories from the people interviewed of Owen pulling ribs on people and Owen being Owen. And so we spent a lot of time not just dissecting the tragedy, which they do an excellent job of, by the way. They, a lot of sort of information that I don't think the, the, casual, the regular wrestling fan knows about the incident. But we also spend time celebrating Owen the person. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of that episode because it was a really big challenge. But Owen was tough. And, um, you know, also most of the B-roll and most of the footage came from Owen's widow. So that episode is really special because it has the involvement of Owen's ex-wife in it. And so we have home movies in there and stuff like that from the Hart family. And so it was just like, it was just difficult because you had, we had to be very delicate with the usage of her personal, that family's personal videos and pictures and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's super understandable given the uh, the subject matter. Uh, Chino? Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So in doing this, in digging up all this extra information, did you guys learn anything new other than what was presented in the episode? Oh, my God. Absolutely. I, I learned a ton about the Herb story with the UWF and, and sort of, you know, he was sort of the precursor to Eric Bischoff. You know, he started his own his own sort of company with all these megastars that he paid a million, you know, millions of dollars to. But the other, the other one where I learned a ton was New Jack. So I was in college in Philadelphia University in the late 90s. So less than a mile away from the ECW arena, basically. It was not on my radar, sadly. So I missed all of ECW while I was like, you know, a two-minute train ride or cab ride to the ECW arena. Like I could have spent my, the, I mean, I probably shouldn't have, but I could have spent my, the four years I had in college at, at ECW, all of that to say, I missed a lot of it. And so to, to all those, all these years later to like really learn about new Jack and his days in Smoky mountain and his inspiration for the character and the, some of the really crazy promos that he cut about OJ and Nicole and, the N-word being thrown at him from fans. And then you get into the, the stuff he did, you know, like I had always heard jokes and sort of like wisecracks about the mass transit incident, but I didn't really know or see it. And then so to see that footage like play out in real time, you know, as we were choosing our, our coverage, our like footage that we're going to show, like what we could show that wasn't too graphic. And then the incident where he, he stabs uh, the gentleman in the ring. I mean, it, and the, the throat, the, the throws off the scaffolds and, you know, stuff like that. Like I just didn't, I knew new Jack was this extreme crazy gangsta guy, but I just never knew. I never saw all the, all the, the proof uh, of like what made that character. So, you know, unforgettable. And so it, that, for me, Herb Abrams and new Jack were real journeys of like, wow, these are holes in my wrestling fandom that, that, that just got filled. 
Since you mentioned New Jack, I got to ask, did you get to talk to New Jack or did you get to interact with him while you were doing this deep dive on the stuff for Confidential? Sadly, I didn't. I mean, those guys, they tell the story in the episode of, of reaching out to New Jack Cold. They just, call, I, I, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but, but Evan Husney tells the whole story of getting his number and calling him out of the blue and asking him to participate in this documentary and how sort of intimidating the whole process was of like flying down to North Carolina to like meet him and interview him and how, you know, look, the big theme of the episode is where does, I forget his real name, but where does the man stop and the character begin? And sort Jerome of the, Young. Yeah. The, Jerome Young. Like where does Jerome, we, we say it a ton in the episode, where does Jerome Young end and where does New Jack begin? And, and has anybody, you know, we talked to Tommy Dreamer, uh, at the end of the episode. And the first question is, ha- have you ever met Jerome Young as like, uh, you know, you spent years with new Jack, but did you ever meet Jerome Young? And really his answer is no. Like he is so new, new Jack was so in, I'm not saying that he, there's no part of new Jack in Jerome Young. Uh, but it's, it's just trying to figure out where the lines get crossed. It's one of the most blurred line situations in all of wrestling history, you know, Jim Cornette says it in the episode. It's the, it's the difference between cooperation and assault. Like, where do you, where do you draw that line? And, and, and that's what new Jack did. I mean, you could say that's what new Jack did best, but obviously it it led to some pretty horrific consequences, but yeah, it was like, you know, there's a certain amount of cooperation to pull off what professional wrestling is. Who was the member of the roundtable that you had a hardest hardest time uh, getting a hold of? Well, the, I mean, the roundtable was Evan and Jason, the creators, and Conrad was the host. So that was all locked in. It, in terms of for the episodes, I, you, I mean, you have to ask Evan and Jason who really did the, the heavy lifting on making the episodes and talking to all the people. I really just dealt with Evan, Jason, and Conrad. You know, I, I basically just made a talk show that was about the dark side of the ring episodes, those guys made the episodes. So I wasn't out there on the road talking to, you know, talking to Bret Hart and, and Eric Bischoff and Paul Ellering and Abdul the Butcher and stuff like that. So that, that was those guys. So I want to uh, transition back to your experiences as a writer for sure. WWE because I remember a bit in your Complex article where you mentioned uh, booking ECW alongside Paul Heyman overnight. So can you give us an insight into how his mind works as a booker? Oh, jeez. Uh, I love Paul. He's, my, uh, he's, he's the best. He, 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 I, I, I joke that I was a Paul Heyman guy 15 years ago. He took me under his wing a little bit, which actually didn't really serve me very well in terms of how the management of WD, you know, I was a Paul Heyman guy. So it was like, Oh God, these, these yahoos. Uh, Cause Paul had a little reputation at that. I mean, he still does, but right. he has Paul, Paul has blossomed as a, as a member of the WWE universe. Paul was sort of the, uh, you know, the unwanted stepchild. And so anyone associated with Paul also kind of got that treatment. But Paul's crazy, man. I mean, He's a child of the, like, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll 70s and 80s. And Paul, like Vince, you know, marches to the beat of his own drum. And so Paul, you know, would come in very late. He would work very odd hours. You would get texts and calls from him at very odd hours. 
And, you know, Paul was very hands-on with his shows, as he should be. I mean, it's his name on the show. So ECW, whether it was owned by WWE or it was his, uh, you know, it's associated with Paul Heyman. So he took it very seriously. And I certainly annoyed the crap out of him in car rides being like, uh, what was Bobby Eaton like? Uh, uh, you know, what was Larry Zabisco like? You know, like I was such a, you know, I was 25. I was such a, I didn't have the, the sort of polite savvy of, uh, you know, that you, you, you grow to, to acquire professionally at that time. I was just like a kid in a candy store. So if I had a two hour car ride with Paul and he's driving, I'm just peppering him with questions of just like, uh, you know, well, tell me about Bud Sawyer. And so that was kind of my dynamic with Paul, but we're still buds to this day. I still, I still every once in a while can text him or I'll hit him on Facebook and, you know, hit him on Twitter. I haven't seen him in a very long time, but, uh, you know, I'm just so proud of the, the character that he's become to, to sort of reinvent himself in the way that he has. And I mean, he's the maker of champions now. Yeah. Well, now you're that guy for us because we're asking you questions like, what's Vince like or what's Paul Heyman like? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Circle exactly. of life. Full circle moment. Yeah. Yeah. Last couple of questions on our end. Uh, for me, it's uh, what What are these stories or which other superstars did you get to directly work with when you were a writer? Oh, sure. Um, look, man, again, I was low man on the totem pole. I was. I, I came in, you know, I had a couple couple of jobs from MTV that, And they hired me out of that. And so I was originally hired to produce and write the Diva Search, which was taking place weekly on SmackDown. And so the head of that was, you know, Miz was, at that time, Miz was like less a wrestler and more a host. And he was running the Diva Search. And so I think I was brought in because I had MTV on my resume and they they had this idea for for the Miz to, to do this. So I started working with the Miz and the Diva Search contestants, you know, like um, uh, Layla L and, and Michelle McCool and stuff like that. And so that's how it started. But then I got, yeah. you know, once I got really into, into the team, you know, into the Raw and SmackDown grind, I was assigned to tag teams on SmackDown. And so I had London and Kendrick who were the champions. Shout out wow. to Paul London, Brian Kendrick. I had Regal and Taylor who I loved. I had um, basically Idol and Aaron Stevens, who was, um, sorry, my memory stinks. Yes, who became Damian Sandow, but at the time he was known as Idol Stevens. And so he was, he had a tight, Casey and Idol. There you go. Damn. Casey James, who looked like Dolph Ziggler. I mean, we all thought Casey James was going to be the breakout star of that team, but it, it ended up being Idol. But it, so it was Casey, Casey and Idol, Regal and Taylor, Yeah. Well, eventually Michelle McCool. Yeah. Uh, I wrote, I wrote a lot of those a B a plus player um, promos with the, uh, with the ruler that she would slap on their hands. Okay. So then I also did a lot of, I I joke about it all the time on podcasts. I wrote all of the Jimmy Yang Wang vignettes. So the, I'm, you you know, uh, giddy up. I'm your boy. Giddy. And honestly, Honestly, yes. I, I, I put Giddy, I put Giddy up in there because I was a huge Seinfeld fan. I took the Giddy up from Kramer. Yeah. Um, like that's legit. So you watch, you can fire those up on YouTube. 
I did. And then the stuff I'm most proud of, I, I joke, look, the tag teams were great, uh, but they weren't really, you know, focused on, sadly, even though London and Kendrick were incredible. I, I did get to work a lot with Mr. Kennedy and MVP. And to this day, both are more so MVP, but both are buds. And I got to I got to work with both of them during really exciting times in their career. I mean, Mr. Kennedy on during my tenure w- became U.S. champion and had that sort of unlikely rivalry friendship with MVP. And they were, you know, they were a tag team, but then they were also rivals. So I got to work with them a lot. Um, MVP, again, like super, super close friend. And we see what he's gone on to become uh, sort of the, M- you know, he's become the MVP of Raw another maker of champions. So that those guys, and then, you know, the top of the card, which I didn't get to touch, but I was in the meetings talking about was like Booker, you know, King Booker and Charmel and King Booker's, you know, sort of regal, you know, Royal guard. And then Batista, we had Undertaker. We had, I mean, look, the, the last match I remember sort of being on the team for, and then I got to, then I got back to Connecticut and they let me go was the Miz Undertaker um, part of the gauntlet uh, match or the beat the clock challenge. Sorry. It was Miz Undertaker beat the clock and Miz hung with the Undertaker. And it was like this moment where we all looked at each other. And I, I specifically remember passing Michael Hayes in the hallway being like, Oh my God, did you, how about the Miz? Like, I think we have a, you know, like it was that moment of like, I think we have a star in our hands. Like he totally just hung with the dead man. And we had this like great moment. And then like two days later, he fired me. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was an interesting roster to say the least. I-, I rambled there for a lot, but those were, those were all the kind of guys that, uh, that I, Oh, and Chavo, I did a lot with too. I'll end with that. A lot with Chavo. Yeah, but no, it's, it's not a problem. Those are all great uh, stories. Uh, we are so honored to just have uh, oh, this episode. So thank you. Sure. Just, just just as a last bit, just to cap things off here, I know that you're also a stand-up comedian, and I'm also a stand-up comedian. And in, in the world of stand-up, really, there are a lot of us who are drawn to the world of wrestling here, you know, and, and wrestlers uh, themselves are actually drawn to stand-up also. So is can you explain why that is why is there a uh, correlation to both wrestling sure. and stand-up well i first I, I would correct you slightly and say former stand-up comedian for me uh <laughs> i've uh i've retired but uh you know it's okay but uh yeah man I, look you know in producing tv for as long as i have invariably whenever the comedians would come on the shows that i produced i would have i it our conversations would eventually turn to wrestling because that's just how it works with me. And invariably you, I would just keep finding that comedians were huge wrestling fans. And so I've, I've sort of like, you know, personally examined this, this exact question that you're asking. And I, I, you know, the worlds are so similar. Like if you're, you know, comedians don't really mesh well with the non comedians in their, in their lives, you know, like they're, and and they're on the road all the time and they lead a very sort of um you know solo existence you know hotel room to hotel room flights and car rides and stuff like that and i think it's that it's that um outlaw vagabond 
you know, sort of uh, nomadic uh, sensibility that bonds wrestlers with comedians because they can they can relate they can relate to the struggles of bouncing from hotel room to hotel room and airplane to airplane and city to city. They can relate to that, and also they can relate to by being solely responsible for your performance and your performance evoking a reaction from a crowd that has paid to see you. I mean, if you're in a band, you're a collective. Uh, even if you're a solo performer, it's the show. It's, it's, it's everything. I mean, comedians are up there by themselves. Wrestlers are out there in their underwear by themselves. Um, and it's on them and what they do to draw that reaction, whether it's laughs up for a comedian or booze and cheers for a wrestler. And so the worlds are so similar that I think it, it, it intrinsically bond, bonds them. Um, and, and I think that's why so many comedians are wrestling fans and so many wrestling fans rest, and so many wrestlers want to be comedians or, or love comedy. That's a great insight. And I think that's something all four of us on the call can share. Of course, Chino being a comedian, Ro uh, having been a wrestler and myself being a manager as well in the ring. So Andrew, I just want to say thank you for connecting all those insights for us. It makes a lot of sense. And zooming out, thank you for taking time out of your morning to just hang out with us here on the podcast. Guys, thank you so much. Um, you know, uh, I love meeting new uh, wrestling fans, uh, especially all over the world. Shout out to uh, Manila. This is unbelievable. You know, telling my wife that, uh, hey, at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm doing a wrestling podcast out of the Philippines. She was like, come again? Say that one more time? <laughs> it, was a, it was a really a really fun uh, moment in my marriage. <laughs> uh, so that was cool. So thank you guys for that. But no, but for serious, you know, look, I, I love meeting other wrestling fans and you guys are doing an awesome job. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm appreciative of you guys having me and I'm happy to come back on at any time, anytime you guys want me. Hey, uh, if that's a standing offer, then we'll extend that right back at you. We hope we can keep having you on the podcast. Andrew, thank you so much. Congratulations on, uh, on Dark Side of the Ring Confidential and we can't wait to see what you do next. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I I'll say one last thing is, you know, wherever you are, if you don't get Vice TV, the episodes do go up on the on the Dark Side of the Ring YouTube page. So if you just go to YouTube, you type in Dark Side of the Ring Confidential, you can watch all of the episodes, uh, you know, as they get posted. So I, I do want to make, make it clear, like, you don't have to, you know, if you have Vice, obviously turn on Vice. It helps the rating, but you guys can find it on YouTube. So check out the show. I'm really proud of it. Thank you guys for promoting it and having me on to talk about it. And, and uh, cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Andrew Goldstein for joining us on this exclusive audio-only episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. And I just love how we tied everything together between comedy and wrestling and what uh, all of us fans of both uh, genres, both media, have in common. So that was a great question to cap it off, Chino. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I, I just I appreciate anybody who has a deeper insight into, you know, just not even just resting, but how resting relates uh, to these other things in life. So it's just amazing to hear that from somebody who's actually been in the trenches uh, in the WWE. You can tell that he's quite a smart guy, you know, by the way he answers us and by the way, by the stories he tells us. So I look to I look forward to hearing him more on our podcast because I may offer uh, to come back. So Great idea, yeah, he, guys. <laughs> no, he, he wanted to, yeah, he wanted to talk WrestleMania with us. And, yeah. and, and that's something that 
you know, as a writer uh, for the company, it would be very interesting to deep dive oh, on so yeah, so yeah. the the logic behind it and the psychology, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Um, if we can establish a long relationship with Andrew Goldstein, like our other uh, recurring guests on the podcast, I think he can, you know, be part of that little list, uh, the WWP list of recurring guests, and yeah. that would be a that would be a dream. Yeah. Oh yeah, move over, Jake Cuenca. Oh, yung naman, yung naman. Let's not do that to ano. To, uh, see, the... see you later, Papi Chu. <laughs> Let's not do that to our wrestling friends. Yeah, um, wag, wag, wag. So see you later, Senator Bam. No, we're uh, kidding. Wag, 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 wag. La pang so, second appearance of Bam. <laughs> so, Bam sorry, Carlo Pabituan. <laughs> no, but we love all of our guests, whether they're one-time guests or recurring guests. And we hope that Andrew Goldstein can return to the podcast for a future episode. Now, as we get out of here, we got to let you know that we have our exclusive Shopee affiliate link as well. And you can help support the podcast by clicking on it right before you go to the app for checkout. So that's tinyurl.com slash WWPXShopee. Again, tinyurl.com slash WWPXShopee. Click on that. It takes you straight to the app. And then when you check out and the item gets delivered to you, a portion of the proceeds or a portion of what you spend goes to Podcast Network Asia to keep these podcasts running. So again, it's tinyurl.com slash WWPXShopee. Now we've got one more week of the hashtag WWP 7 Years promo. We've been giving out Wrestling Funko Pops all month, courtesy of our friends from Kramer Toy Warden. And for this week, if you want to win that Funko Pop from us, all you have to do is to cut a promo on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast hosts. It's that simple. We've been doing that all month. So just cut a promo on me, on Ro, and on Chino, or on any individual host of the podcast, or on the show as a whole. We don't care. Cut a promo on us and make sure you use the hashtag WWP7Years. Tag us on Twitter and TikTok at Wrestling2XPod. On Facebook and Instagram, make it public. It is at Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, and we can't wait to see what you guys can come up with. Now, let's get some plugs before we, uh, before we take it home. So, Chino, let's, let's start with you. All right, two big episodes are coming out or have been out on Class Clown. My first episode of the week will be featuring Mr. Gabe Mercado, uh, the founding member of SPIT, the head uh, instructor and founder of Third World Improv. I talked to him, uh, being a longtime student and friend, because improv it's like college, man, basically. And I, I talked to him about improv and how it applies to everyday life as well as his other passions. And then next week is something that I'm really proud of. Another big get for me on this podcast. We're talking to the director of General Luna and Mr. Gerald Parog, the biggest movie in Philippine history. I talked to him about how he got started as a film scorer and how he transitioned into filmmaking. So, guys, please, please listen to those episodes. Because it's sayang naman kung walang makikinig, di ba? It's sayang naman yung guesting ng mga tao. Baka hindi sila pumayag. Uto ko na sila, di ba? So, listen to those on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I can say the same thing about my solo podcast, On Deck with Stancy. If you love radio as much as I do, then go check it out as I talk to radio personalities, both past and present. And as with Chino's podcast and this one, you can catch it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ro, let's tell them about the Patreon program where you can join our live watch parties like our patrons did for WrestleMania 37. 
Okay, guys, maraming sumali sa Patreon namin for WrestleMania. So you can still do the same for WrestleMania Backlash on May 16, I believe. Uh, just all you got to do is sign up to our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash podcast for the low, low price of $250 a month. That's $5 a month. Uh, you get stuff like uh, you know, your watch parties, a Discord community. You also get exclusive content like our reviews for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, pay-per-views. Uh, If you are also a Patreon subscriber, you might have noticed that you got some early access content. Like you got this episode for free. Um, not the the whole thing, but you know, a small snippet of it, just uh, just to whet your appetites for the eventual release. So you can get the same thing uh, for our future audio-only exclusives by signing up for our Patreon. And then we also have merch coming. Uh, right now, merch palang namin is our face mask, but champa, there's gonna be more coming soon. All of that when you sign up for our Patreon. All right. Now, uh, as we get out of here, we got to say thank you to our babyface producers, John Matthew Sola and Nikai Lohanias, for putting these episodes together and to the rest of the Podcast Network Asia team who've really been working tirelessly, ECQ Season 2 notwithstanding. And for those of you who might have missed out on winning a wrestling Funko Pop from us, don't be too sad because we've got another set of giveaways. Hey. That I can already confirm. So if you want some swag from the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, we've got something that we can't wait to unleash on everyone. I dare say it is the dawn of a new era. <laughs> on that I note, it's gonna be a lot more subtler than that. I was gonna say, I was gonna say kapangalan niya yung college sa professionals. Okay, fine. Yeah. On that note, we're gonna take it home. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. On behalf of Ro Moran and Chino Liao, my name is Stan C. Saying thank you very much. Stay safe. Mask up. Wash your hands. Register to vote, and we're out of here. Peace. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.